Welcome to the Personality Psychology Podcast. My name is Lisa Lidemore, and today I'm joined by two early career researchers and one more senior researcher in the field of self-esteem. As a personality construct, self-esteem has a long tradition of research on its definition, measurements, and development. And across the years, many a theory involving self-esteem has been put forward. Today, we'll talk about some exciting developments in the field of self-esteem and some of the still outstanding questions. Welcome, Lorenzo Filosa. Ketaki Divan and Uli Orth. Hi. Hi. Hello. Can you briefly introduce the work that you do on self-esteem? In my postdoc activity now and during my PhD program, my research activity focused on the study of self-esteem in particular, but more in general, uh, personality, psychology, and its application into uh, organization life because I'm both a personality psychologist and an organizational psychologist. So my main research activity focuses on the study of personality traits and self-esteem in particular during work-related life events like the transition to work, for example, especially during young adulthood, but also many others experience like, for example, uh, moving from a position to another with more responsibilities and so on, but also the socialization organizational uh, processes occurring during the first years of newcomer's career. So the role of personality and self-esteem in particular as a resource and its development during this period. You mentioned that you focus both on maybe the, the first years of being in a certain job, but also maybe later on. Are there any specific occupational groups that you focus on or may, maybe just all people having a job? Yes, that's a good question because we have uh, different projects. We work both on uh, civil workers and also on uh, military workers or cadets who are attending a military academy or uh, workers who are attending a professional civil work, a normal, let's say, normal training program. There could be differences among these different groups. Yes, that's a good question. Kataki, do you want to go next? Similar to Lorenzo, my work also focuses on right now transition to work. So transition from education to work particularly. And I look at why self-esteem changes during the transition to work. And I'm interested in why people differ. So why do some people increase, but other people decrease? So why do some people thrive and other people struggle? And uh, to look at uh, why self-esteem changes, I focus on daily experiences during the transition to work. And particularly, I focus on emotions, motivation, but also similar to Lorenzo, uh, the work context. So how can different workplaces support this transition to work? Very interesting. Do you already have some first findings on why some people thrive and others not? Yeah, I'm just beginning into this investigation, but uh, we found, for example, the daily experiences of the emotion pride uh, might play a little bit of role. So these are really initial findings from my PhD, which is quite interesting that uh, people's uh, daily experiences of pride were sort of correlated uh, with uh, daily self-esteem change. That is an recent interesting finding. All right, Uli, do you want to close off the first question? Yes, thanks. Most of the research that, that I did on self-esteem belongs to or refers to two questions. So one is the development of self-esteem. How does self-esteem develop from early childhood to, to old age? And what are individual differences in these trajectories or factors that can explain 
uh, why some people experience a, a more positive developmental trajectory and others uh, maybe less positive uh, trajectories. And then I think the, the other question that is an important focus of the, the work that my lab does on, on self-esteem is the link between self-esteem and important life domains or and, and outcomes in these domains, also the work domain, but the relationship domain, uh, for example. So in over the past years, uh, we, we did some meta-analysis to explore these questions and by using meta-analytic methods to, to gain more robust insights based on aggregating the available data from the field. And so we focused, for example, on the work domain. This is a study that Samantha Kraus and I did together to compile the evidence that we have on how work outcomes, but also maybe important work conditions, like having support from a supervisor and so on, but also the outcomes like job performance and job satisfaction as a a subjective criterion, how these criteria relate to self-esteem, both as a predictor of people's self-esteem. So do these work variables predict how people develop in their self-esteem? And also as a consequence of self-esteem, is self-esteem a, a factor that influences, for example, whether people experience more or less job success, job satisfaction, positive work conditions, and so on. So work is one domain, and then social relationships is another domain where uh, we did a meta-analysis here. Michelle Harris, who was uh, visiting at the time as a postdoc um, in my lab, uh, conducted this uh, meta-analysis uh, together with me. And so currently, uh, for example, there's one study where, again, Samantha Kraus uh, in my lab and, and Laura Dapp together with me, uh, we summarized the evidence um, that is available on how self-esteem relates to eating pathology as an important variable related to eating disorder. So now this is a, a clinical topic uh, or the link between self-esteem and, and this clinical phenomenon. Yeah, so really uh, examining self-esteem in relation to different life domains, but also different predictors and outcomes. Yes, that's true. And and I think this is, a, at least for me, a, a very interesting question uh, because there has been such a long debate with, with different positions in this debate about whether people's self-esteem has any consequences for their lives. Is there any causal influence on what happens in people's life, in their relationships, um, at work, maybe for their mental health, even maybe for their physical health, for example. And yeah, as you know, there, there are different positions in the field. There has been a, a very influential uh, review now already, um, maybe 15 or even more years ago, which uh, suggested that self-esteem is really just a correlate of having success or, or good life circumstances and does not influence people's life outcomes. So in, in, in this view or this summary, self-esteem was de described as a, an epiphenomenon of having good versus bad life circumstances, but not as a, a personality characteristic that influences anything important, maybe except for subjective well-being, because it, it feels good to, to be satisfied with yourself. Um, and it feels bad if you have self-doubts and feel like someone who is inadequate or a failure um, even. 
But now I, I think, and, and this is uh, um, a paper that I worked together with uh, Rick Robbins on recently, which will appear relatively soon, in which we try, summarized the evidence that is available on um, all of these uh, links between self-esteem and life domains. So we reviewed the available meta-analysis and also other longitudinal studies. And overall, our conclusion in this paper is that now there is sufficient evidence to conclude that self-esteem really influences what what happens in, in people's lives. Because there are now many longitudinal studies with with large and, and often representative samples, studies that control for important confounds, maybe third variables that should be controlled. The evidence has been aggregated across um, several studies by using meta-analytic methods. So our conclusion is, um, yes, self-esteem is one of the factors. Of course, there are many and the effects are not large, but they are still meaningful. So our conclusion is self-esteem is one of the factors that influences success and well-being or less success and less well-being in people's lives. I think what really stands out for me in, in all of your research is that there's definitely some overlap in uh, the things that you study and also sort of the approach that you take to self-esteem, but there also seem to be some differences. So for instance, Kataka, you, you focus on this uh, daily aspects of the experience. And I'm just wondering, because self-esteem is something that I think everyone sort of has a notion of, of what it means. But at the same time, I think as a psychological construct that we uh, study scientifically, I wonder if we can come up with one way of uh, defining or at least uh, providing some working definition of what self-esteem is. I agree with you when you said that everyone has a notion of self-esteem. I think it's something that everyone experienced during during life and uh, I think also it's quite intuitive to to know and to acquire some notion about that. At the same time I think that from a scientific perspective it is very complicated to, to study because we cannot study self-esteem directly so we have to find uh, many ways and we have many ways to study self-esteem and by looking at it in, in different ways and I think also that every way in which we look at it may say something about it, but cannot say other things about self-esteem. In my opinion, I think that the most important thing uh, before defining self-esteem, we should also be aware that the fact that we cannot study self-esteem, in my opinion, with just one or few methods, but we should integrate different ways and different methods. And also, I think, different frameworks, because, for example, we can look at self-esteem and its development by considering social investment and a maturity perspective, but we can look at it also by a social media theory perspective or even from a self-determination theory perspective, because one study that I would like to do in future is analyzing the potential relationships and interplay between satisfaction or the dissatisfaction of basic psychological needs and uh, self-esteem development and the interplay, because one can reasonably think that satisfaction or dissatisfaction of basic psychological needs may impact self-esteem and its development, but I can also imagine that different levels of self-esteem may influence the way we satisfy or dissatisfy our 
basic psychological needs because, for example, people with high levels of self-esteem can easily find a way to satisfy psychological needs. While, on the other hand, people with lower levels of self-esteem cannot so easily find a way to satisfy psychological needs. In this sense, integrating self-esteem development within different theoretical frameworks could be interesting from this point of view. Yes, definitely. I think in terms of the your question about the definition of self-esteem, like to me, I think it's like... Uh, the subjective evaluation of oneself and uh, with the emphasis being on subjective. and uh, But I think the more puzzling thing for me in terms of self-esteem is where this evaluation comes from. So what the source of self-esteem is in a way. And uh, yeah, I also am interested to what Lorenzo said in terms of basic need satisfaction. And for example, we do find that uh, during the transition to work, certain needs might be more important than the other needs. So achievement related satisfaction is more sort of important in predicting self-esteem change compared to affiliation uh, related uh, yeah, satisfaction. So that's also something interesting that these needs ga- maybe gain different importance depending on the what is salient in life. So what event is happening or what is more important maybe at the time. So that's also something I find interesting. Yeah. I would also agree with the aspect that self-esteem is a, a subjective construct by definition. And, and for example, it's it's not possible at all to measure it validly by by any objective criteria that you could assess even if you have lots of information about people in an objective way it's not possible to explain their level of self esteem and so as a like a, a working definition i i and i typically use this definition when um, providing a definition then i would say it's a as you said a subjective evaluation of an individual of their worth in in a global sense as a person. But I think in in my opinion, it's important to to emphasize that it's not just a a self-evaluation, even if subjective of a set of abilities, for example, or of positive features, um, characteristics. For me, at least when we think about global self-esteem, like the the general feeling uh, that people have about themselves, I think it's important that it includes feelings like self-acceptance, for example, self-respect, or if you think about the negative pole of this dimension, then feelings like having self-doubts more often, or even feeling like a, a failure, for example, or at least sometimes having these feelings. So I think it's more than just an, a subjective assessment of one's level of abilities. And as you, Kitaki, said, I, I think it's also, and maybe it's important to understand self-esteem, to have more knowledge, understanding about how it develops or where it comes from. And so, for example, from a developmental perspective, I think it's a a very fascinating question to uh, think about and try to understand how do young children in maybe at an age of four, five, six, when they maybe, they don't couldn't say anything about it, but maybe you can recognize that they have different um, levels of self-esteem at this age. And maybe a few years later, they can communicate it or they say things that um, show their level of self-esteem. But so this 
this aspect of self-acceptance versus um, having self-doubts, I think this is, for me, is an important part of the, the construct of, of self-esteem. And then if you think about abilities, of course, it's a, an important distinction to um, also consider domain-specific um, aspects of self-esteem. You could also call them self-evaluations, although the term domain-specific self-esteem works also fine, of course. And again, I, I think these are important parts of people's self-esteem, like general self-evaluations uh, with regard to their academic abilities for children or maybe students, um, or their level of intelligence, for example, or then their level of self-esteem in social situations when they interact with other people or maybe even meet new people and their level of self-esteem in, in the social domain, for example, or their level of self-esteem with regard to their physical abilities and so on. And again, I think this is a, a very interesting topic to understand the relation between these domain-specific aspects of self-esteem and their, the general uh, and really global level of self-esteem. I'm just thinking about this and it's also interesting to add this, you know, element of maybe also I'm thinking a bit about self-compassion. So how would you think about uh, like self-esteem being different from things like self-compassion, just being kind to yourself? Or is it uh, is there a sort of an overlap maybe here? So I would be really interested in your, on your thoughts about this. To me, there's definitely a, an overlap between the these two constructs and and I'm not an expert on, on self-compassion, but I would think that, of course, people who have high self-esteem, who accept themselves, that they also show self-compassion in, in situations where it is needed. So I, I think it should be possible to, to integrate it in a way, although I, I don't want to say that it's part of self-esteem. It's, it's more, it's, it's a specific characteristic of individuals or even maybe a, a sort of a specific attitude towards themselves in, in, in relevant situations. But of course, I, I think there is there is a substantial overlap between these two constructs. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Lorenzo also already mentioned that there have been a lot of different ways uh, measuring self-esteem and also these different theories. And I was just wondering why, why do you think that self-esteem has, has known such a rich history of, of research? Why do why are we so interested in self-esteem? I think this is an interesting question. And of course, there are so many other constructs and phenomena that are interesting. And of course, people who do research on self-esteem, they probably uh, have a, a biased perception uh, with regard to this question. But to me, I think one, one important point is that self-esteem is part of the self and I think the self has attracted a lot of attention and interest by researchers from, from many fields, even outside of psychology, of course, in philosophy. And then in psychology, the, it's an important topic in social psychology, in personality psychology, in developmental psychology, and, and also, of course, in other fields. And in a way, it's at least a key aspect or key characteristic of people's selves, um, how they in a global way, evaluate themselves and their like their general attitude towards themselves. But then maybe a second reason that that caused interest in, in research on self-esteem is the fact that there are many debates about aspects that are related to self-esteem. I think interesting and 
interesting debates uh, with conflicting positions. I, I just mentioned the question is self-esteem influential or, or just a, a correlate of, of positive life uh, circumstances. But then also, at least for a long time, there was a, a debate about does self-esteem ever change across the lifespan? I think now there is enough evidence that it's maybe no longer a debate, but it has been a debate. And then other questions like, are there important changes across the generations? Do, for example, members of the generation me have a have higher self-esteem or maybe narcissistically inflated self-esteem, for example, or not? Or uh, what is the relation between global and domain-specific self-esteem? Is the stability, the intra-individual stability, is this maybe the more important dimension of self-esteem compared to whether it is high or low. This has also been a debate or it doesn't need to be a debate, but um, there have been different positions on this topic. Or maybe is it possible at all to intervene and to change people's self-esteem in a sustained way? So I think these, these debates make a, a field interesting and they probably have also contributed to the fact that, yeah, many researchers picked this topic because it elicited their attention to these debates. Do you agree with these points or do you also maybe see other reasons? Maybe also because you, Kentucky and Lorenzo, you're both relatively new to the field. So maybe you also know more from your own personal experience why to you this was such an interesting topic or really attracted your attention? Yeah, for me, I think it was interesting because I come from a cultural context where the self is not independent, it's more interdependent and self-esteem is given not so much importance as maybe in the Western countries. And now I live in a, in a context where like I'm expected to be confident. And yeah, so I think what intrigued me is how these different cultures kind of give importance to self-esteem and maybe to a point that in Eastern cultures, self, self is so downplayed sometimes that it can also maybe lead to a mental health problems. So that was quite interesting to me to see that different cultures have different norms or give different importance to self and how it's evaluated and whether it's importantly, whether it's positively evaluated. So I think that's what drew me to self-esteem because it was really puzzling to see that different groups have different ways of thinking about the self and specifically self-worth. Yes, interesting. So also actually additional questions really that are still open to study for self-esteem. Yeah, I may jump in this conversation about why self-esteem has attracted so much interest. I can share with you my, my personal opinion. I think that it is fascinating to study because it is complicated to study. And uh, during my early <laughs> stages of my research career, as a postdoc researcher, and uh, I think that during, during these years, I've studied self-esteem uh, by looking at different approaches, different theories, and so on, as Rudy said. And the most important thing, I mean, for, from, my, from my perspective, is that although we, as human beings, all have uh, an evaluation of ourselves. I think that everyone has his own way to view uh, him or herself because here it's very subjective. I mean, uh, this is one of the cases in which the, the evaluator is the same of the 
evaluated ob object. So there are many filters, many biases, many societal, historical, cultural influences that can affect the way we look at uh, ourselves. And this is fascinating and uh, a challenge from a scientific perspective to study how different people uh, look at themselves in different ways and trying to understand what is the, the systematic <laughs> uh, method they use, what is in common among uh, people, among cultures, and what is different among people and uh, cultures. Okay, so if I just listen to all of your, your points, basically it seems that the attraction of self-esteem is its complexity, that there's a lot of debates, there's a lot of cross-cultural differences, there's a lot of complexity in how to study it, and I can imagine it makes, it makes for a good research field. Maybe related to this, what do you think are the most exciting things that we learned about self-esteem in the last couple of years? One thing that I found interesting that is quite sort of recent, I think, is that self-esteem seems to be stable when it is measured across years and across the lifespan. It's relatively stable, but when you measure it during these life events that tend to be kind of yeah complex and tend to disrupt people's daily lives, I think during that time it's less stable than uh, when it's like measured across long term and across in times when there's not a lot going on. So I think that's interesting that uh, self-esteem is differently stable depending on when you measure it in a way uh, and across what time. So yeah, there are like life events can perhaps destabilize it. Uh, and I think that was quite interesting to me because that means that something's happening in that period that can perhaps shape self-esteem in a certain way. Yes, that's a great point. Yeah, and I think actually just just the fact that we can talk about fluctuating self-esteem is of course already a very exciting finding or at least change in our thinking of, of self-esteem that has occurred relatively recently. Basically, uh, not too long ago, we had this idea that people have a self-esteem and then they just have that self-esteem for the entirety of their lives. And much more now we see that, as also happens with other psychological variables, we see that there's a move towards this study of what happens within people uh, over maybe shorter periods of time. So I think that's definitely a very good point. I agree with uh, Kitaki that this is a fascinating line of research and it also stresses the difference between understanding self-esteem as a, a trait, a, a relatively stable uh, characteristic of people, and then at the same time, and this also corresponds to the subjective experience of many people, there are of course fluctuations in daily life, so there is a, an important state component. I wouldn't say there are many, many important findings. But as you said, Kitaki, I think that we have now evidence from several large longitudinal studies that on the one hand, self-esteem shows a really a strong trait component across many years or even decades. There are studies that were conducted by uh, in the labs of Jenny Wagner, for example, and Brent Donnellan, uh, one in my lab. And all of these have I think show converging evidence that there is a considerable proportion of the differences between persons that is quite stable. Some of it is completely stable, but more generally said, it is really relatively stable across many years. So there's even a very interesting quote from William James from 1890, where in one of his classic books, he already wrote that every person carries an average tone of self-feeling with them, which accompanies people 
across maybe their whole life. And then at the same time, and this also um, has to do with the question that, that you, Lisanne, already gave us, that would it be interesting to study uh, self-esteem as a state more often or with, with a, a stronger focus on understanding how self-esteem changes, fluctuates as a state and maybe changes more rapidly after life transitions, for example, or after important events that happen in, in people's life. And maybe they also help us understand the the more long-term gradual changes that we then observe in these long-term studies. This could be a, an interesting line to pursue in the future. Yeah, so really the combination of, of these stable differences and these fluctuations that happen more well, at a smaller time scale. Is this also your view on this, Kitaki and Lorenzo, or do you think, well, I think the future should be all about these fluctuations and we should move away from the idea that well, maybe not move away from the idea that people have stable differences, but maybe that we've learned all there is to know about this and that the future is within person. That's a good point. I think that probably the best thing is, as usually, integrate different approaches and different things. From my perspective, I think the future research should implement complex design, which we uh, could be able, for example, to study both fluctuations at the state level and the trait level of analysis altogether. I mean, for example, like implementing a measurement burst, we can measure self-esteem for a week, 10 days, many times every day, and then repeat this procedure one month later or one year later and so on. So we can look at both the state level unit of analysis and together the trait level of analysis. Because for example, now I'm working on a paper, for example, in which we looked at the stability or instability or of self-esteem. And an important thing is that during two consecutive days, which we measured self-esteem in a group of workers at work and outside work, and we measured many times within the working time and outside work, and we found that there are differences in the average level, for example, at work and outside work, and also there are differences in the variance, in the variability among the average point of self-esteem for each person. So I think that could be important to look at both trait and state levels, because although self-esteem could be relatively stable over time, I think that there should be a kind of variability, different variabilities in states of self-esteem, which goes around this average point so it's a kind of anchor effect i could say and even so everyone has a, a general level a main point a certain variability around this point yeah i completely agree that combining state and trait is what i'm interested in and also like mainly interested i think it would be interesting to see how the states kind of contribute to like the stability or change in trade self-esteem. So I think that's interesting in the future that what kind of processes sort of link these two. So is it that people have repeated experiences of state self-esteem or high state self-esteem that translate into trade? self-esteem or is it that the most important or like the peak experiences of daily state self-esteem matter a lot 
like in the long term that maybe people remember or have a larger impact. So I think it's interesting in that how these two are connected and the processes that connect them, I think, are quite interesting to see in the future. I think we already um, sort of drifted into the next and final question, because I think it would be really interesting to uh, also talk a bit about the future, because of course you already mentioned uh, several important and interesting avenues of research uh, throughout the conversation. And I was just wondering, given the many different ways of uh, studying self-esteem, the many different theories out there, the life domains that we could all take a look at, the entire lifespan that we can take under study. What do you think are the most promising or most exciting areas to further develop in the future? I think there are two points that we already addressed in this discussion that I think are interesting topics for future research. Uh, of course, there are many. I think it would be important to really better understand how and in which situations and how much life events and life transitions influence self-esteem or, or whether they do not influence self-esteem in a, in a meaningful way or in a sustained way. And of course, there are several studies that have been conducted and for example, a research conducted in, in Anne Reitz lab, for example, and by Anne. And then of course, Wiebke Blydarn, who conducted, for example, studies on retirement effects on self-esteem. And then maybe Manon van Scheppingen, uh, who did the study on how having a baby influences mother's self-esteem. And Jenny Wagner on first partnerships and how they influence self-esteem and also other personality characteristics. But probably we need more research to gain a better understanding of the effect sizes of these effects and if they are meaningful, how large or medium sized they are and can they really explain the developmental changes that we see as, as a function of age in, in studies that track people's self-esteem across many years and also understand the important moderators because may, maybe some people are not influenced by a, a negative life event and do not suffer loss in self-esteem and, and others do and maybe for positive events there are also moderators. And then a second topic that probably really needs much more research is understanding cultural differences, as you already emphasized, uh, Kitaki. And I think it would be important to have more studies with participants from, from really from different cultures and to compare these findings and of course to assess whether the, the findings that we have from, from Western countries, whether they replicate in, in other cultural contexts or not, but also to understand the, the different mechanisms that maybe explain these findings. And of course, I think intercultural research is difficult for many reasons, practical reasons, assessment reasons, and so on. But it, I think it would definitely be worth to uh, to tackle um, this task. Yes, all very good points. And I think it also ties in uh, with uh, what one of you said before, that we also need to look at what drives self-esteem, basically. So, for instance, the, the satisfaction of different needs. So, looking at, for instance, that cross-cultural work, we could also not just see whether, for instance, self-esteem levels differ, but also really what the mechanisms mechanisms are behind self-esteem. Yes, you make a very good point, Uli. I totally agree with Uli, and uh, as a young researcher, I must 
take notes of what he said <laughs> for my future research activity. But I also think that now that we have the opportunity to implement different uh, approaches and novel techniques, I was thinking about the possibility to use, for example, the novel psychometric network approach in order to understand what kind of relationships could be among self-esteem and other facets of the selves in the self-system, like self-awareness, self-compassion, as Kitagi said before, or identity and so on, because the self is a complicated system, could be considered a complicated system. So I think that this novel approach could be implemented in future research to answer, in order to answer to new different research questions that uh, we may <laughs> uh want to to answer too yes good points i think one thing that i am interested in or would like to see in the future is so the self-determination theory as lorenzo said says that there are these three basic psychological needs and there has been research on like how competence and relatedness uh, so in, in previous research uh, relates to self-esteem but what i'm also interested in is how autonomy relates to self-esteem and uh, whether that is imp like a, a source of self-esteem i think we need like more research to understand yeah and i have not seen that much yet so i think uh, how autonomy changes across the lifespan and how it it predicts self-esteem change would also be something I'm curious about, I think. All very good points. And um, I hope, of course, that you'll also be on the front lines doing all of this research and bringing us many new exciting developments in self-esteem. Thank you so much for the conversation today. I really enjoyed having you all here and uh, hearing your views on self-esteem and how we can measure it and how we can define it and what we have studied and can study in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you. It has been a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you, Lisanne. Thank you, Lisanne.